0: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show.
1: Boy, we cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to.
0: Hit me.
2: Fine, how <laughs> long? You have a great show of a big fan. Boy, so what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle.
1: Charbono, it's all about the Charbono, dude. Nucleus fish? What?
0: He ate winner.
1: listen, shake
0: your
3: face! I'm shaking like a dog shit peacete.
2: We have top men working on it right now. Top.
0: And just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. You have found it. Whether you missed the first hour or not, don't worry about that. You can always go back and get the show on podcast. Hit up the main website, bbqcentralshow.com. And you can hit the subscribe button. And if you missed the show, for whatever reason, on Tuesday, if you don't want to watch it, which the audio archives or the video archives are immediately available after the show, both on the YouTube channel and on the Facebook channel. But on the audio or the podcast audio only, first hour is released on Wednesday and the second hour is released on Thursday. So you're ready to go. Go ahead. Subscribe to the show. Even if you don't listen to it all the time, you have the opportunity. If you hear something's going on. Did you hear who was on the Barbecue Central? Uh, No, I missed. Oh, but wait, I subscribed to podcast. I can go ahead and do it. Just do it. It's on all of the major platforms. It's on on all of the platforms. Forget just major platforms. Of course it's on the major platforms. It's on all platforms. Go ahead and check it out. Don't forget that coming up in about 12 minutes from now, Dr. Howard Conyers, a whole hog barbecue and grilling expert, also Nassau rocket scientist, so quite easily the most academically accomplished person who has ever appeared on this show. You can also follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram and Twitter slash BBQ Central Show on the Facebook or you might also be watching the video feed right now. If you want to take part in the chat and also watch video, you can do that on the YouTube side as well. Coming up this coming Friday for the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, put together you uh, put together for you proudly by Michigan Embedded Correspondent John Solberg, and this will be episode 72 by the way. We journey back to March 2010 where one of the first competition chicken roundtables appear. And the panel is made up, so if you are familiar with the competition roundtables, widely still some of the most downloaded shows I have ever done in the history of this show. A panel of three, we talk about a specific protein when we were doing competition roundtables. Probably not too hard to think that we were doing brisket and ribs and pork and chicken. This one's a chicken, a competition chicken roundtable. So, if you want to hear how it was going down nine years ago, almost to the month, little past it now, you can hear Troy Black from Learning to Cue, Joe Amore from Smoky Mountain Smokers, legend, and Kelly Wertz from Four Legs Up Barbecue, legend. Talk about chicken. This is also. Where I had to start reinstituting telling the panel members going forward after this particular one that if you aren't open to sharing everything and you don't have to, I'm just not going to pick you to be on the panel because that was the attraction of doing the barbecue panel or the barbecue round table is that you was going to have the top three cooks in each category just kind of reveal it all and there was going to be some fun interaction, and that's why they were hotly downloaded, still very popular. But Troy Black, Joe Mori, and Kelly Wirtz, you could tell, became very guarded at some point, and everybody started to withhold a little bit, and it wasn't as sharing as it had become known to be in previous installments. So this was the episode where, as we moved forward with competition roundtables, they said, hey, totally up to you, but if you're not willing to share it all, Then I would rather go find somebody else that's uh, ready to do that. So kind of a momentous chicken roundtable in a number of ways. And that will get released into the podcast feed this coming Friday. So make sure that you are subscribed. And then there's this. Last Thursday, the host of the Man is Barbecue podcast, Mickey K, got into his cups a little bit started feeling himself, and then did exactly what I tell you people not to do. He hit the go live button. And in doing so, created this piece of social media gold. And I will play it here in one second, but I'm going to start and stop to make sure I'm clearing up any inaccuracies as they are being thrown out in this alcohol-fueled takedown of me. Well, I assume it's me, but he never calls me out specifically by name or mentions the show name or anything like that. But let me troll it up here real quick. And uh, stick with me because it starts very quickly. And once again, I'll be starting and stopping to point out inaccuracies, but this is how it went down.
1: to my attention by a friend of mine that I got called out, called out on, the, um, on a podcast show. And it's a live show. It comes out every, I believe, Tuesday.
0: By the way, let me point out, if you are not in agreeing with swearing, this may be a little offensive to you as we roll through it, but stick with.
1: He goes live on fucking Tuesday um, that I'm a tool, which is fantastic. Um, I was also told that I purchased my following, which is not true.
0: Now, just to make sure that we are on the accurate side of the fence here, I did not call Mickey a tool ever, and that was, I think, two shows ago now. The truth is that I received an email from, I think, Steve in Pittsburgh, who was following a number of people that were going down to the certified Angus beef situation in Worcester, Ohio. And Steve said, and that tool, Mickey from Man is Barbecue. That's what happened. Go back and listen to the show. But somebody told Mickey that I called him a tool specifically and that... He buys his following, which I never said he bought his following. What I said was people that don't do this show, it's easy to find who who I'm not kind of down with because they're not doing my show. There were a number of people that were in Worcester, Ohio, aside from Mickey from Man Barbecue, that have never been on the show before. Keep that in mind.
1: I'm sorry that I'm a mal-
0: that I'm younger than you. Don't be sorry. Because you're younger than me, you can't help that. Anybody who was born
1: after me is younger than me.
0: Don't apologize
1: for that. Um, I'm better at social media than you. That's you know. I'm sorry about that. You're not sorry about that. Um, it it, it sucks for you, doesn't it? That I'm better at social media than you. Um, yes, I was in Wooster, Ohio. Yes, they invited me. They also invited me to Hawaii. Did you miss that invite too there, buddy?
0: In all fairness, I didn't miss the invite to Hawaii. I never got the invite to Hawaii. That stuff out of here. If we're just being honest, I never got that invite.
1: Must have sucked, didn't it? Hawaii was beautiful, and so was the food. I can tell the food was beautiful. Shit happens, but apparently I'm a fucking tool. I've asked you numerous times to come on my show. Here's me calling you out on social media. Come on my show and talk to me. Talk barbecue with me. Everyone's invited. That's the beauty of Man Me Barbecue. That's what we do. We incorporate everybody. We love everyone that wants to cook barbecue. Um, so, that sucks, doesn't it?
0: What? What sucks?
1: What sucks? Hello. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm not. I'm not looking for followers on this. I'm calling somebody out. Um, this is just super. I'm sorry. I'm just super heated about it.
0: Who are you calling? out? Um, Who are
1: you calling out? It, it. It. fucking happens. And I'm leaving this up. I'm not gonna pull it down.
0: Remember those words.
1: Um. Really hope that you know. Maybe it gets to you. I don't know. I don't know if you're too big time for me though. Because I believe last time I asked you to come on my show, you told me you were a little too busy for. Don't worry, it got to me. For me,
3: it got so, to me. So
1: here's your call out, bro. Come on the show, chat with us. Unless you're too busy. am dude, I'm. I don't need to name names. The person who knows that I'm talking about them, who knows about it, and they know it. It literally took me over a week to even get notified about this. Which is kind of funny that it took me that long, bro. How many people listen to your show?
0: Now, I have done extensive research on that very question. How many people listen to my show? And I have the exact answer. After doing all of the math, eight people listen to my show. Eight. So I have done the math. Thank you.
1: Clearly it can't be that many I said eight So My name's Mikey Oh Mikey?
0: Oh Great Hold on Cheers
1: Like I said Let's get into this Fucking podcast bro
0: That's the tagline By the way
1: Chug 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 Stop It sucks doesn't it what sucks?
0: What sucks?
1: Wooster was fun.
0: All right. There's, uh, I guess, Mikey. Sorry. I think I said Mickey on accident. Mikey, let's both agree on a few things. First, you're not better at social media than me. That's running the gamut, right? You have bigger numbers on Instagram than me. No question. No question about it. Quite frankly, you have bigger numbers than most of the big barbecue names out there. You have 105,000 followers or something like that. So let's agree also to this. While your follower numbers are very impressive on the whole from a number standpoint, the actual fan engagement, probably a little lackluster. Wouldn't you agree? And, you know, there's nothing more lame than going live in an effort to put someone on blast. And during the video, you say that you aren't going to take the video down. You're going to leave it up. But only minutes after you hit the stop button, you take the video down. That's not very courageous of you. And that's what this show, the Barbecue Central show, is all about. It's about being courageous. Taking it down after you say you're not going to take it down is not very courageous. So here's some advice pro to pro. Next time when the alcohol takes control and tricks you into thinking that going live is a great idea, sit in a chair, go live. And just unload. Don't walk around. It's annoying and distracting. And please, don't read what the other people in the chat room are typing as you're spitting your well-crafted fire. It distracts from your rant. And it sounds even worse than it normally would. Stay still. Spit fire. Be courageous. Don't read the comments as they roll in. And then end it. And please, please... Don't take it down after the fact, especially when you say that you're not going to take it down and you're going to leave it up. Now, let me just refresh everybody on how the Internet works, especially for you youngins. If you put something up on the Internet, you should always assume that it will be there forever. No matter how quick you are able to delete it or how few people you think saw it, someone will see it. Someone will grab it, and that's exactly what happened in this instance. Remember, I have loyal centralites everywhere, and now this little gem will live on the Internet forever. On my website, it will get its own little archive page, so whenever you feel the need to hear Mikey from Man Meat Barbecue spit straight fire and do a takedown video of me, only to actually take it down seconds after he got done recording it. You can go right to my page, punch up man meat barbecue rant video, and you can watch it as many times as you want. Because once it goes to the internet, it never comes off the internet.
2: Get that big stuff out of here.
0: By the way, I didn't answer the question that you had asked a couple different times. I will always 100% be too busy to go on your show. Always. I will always be too busy. All right, Dr. Howard Conyers coming up out of the break. I will talk to you quickly about Sterling Ball and the gang over at Big Papa Smokers, the number one online shop for all things barbecue, their curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself. From the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers, 13 perfectly balanced flavors when it comes to the rubs, right? Cattle prod, cash cow, sweet money, just to name a few, but all of them are absolutely fantastic. Now, if you're looking to get into that West Coast offense, they do. They do have that special relationship with Steph Franklin over at Simply Marvelous Barbecue. So you can get some of his rubs, use some of the Big Papa rubs. Now you're jamming with the West Coast offense. Aside from those spices, they also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're looking for a new go-to sauce, this might be the one you want to check out. And aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa Smokers also offers the very best pellet charcoal and wood cookers available today if you're looking for an easy and versatile smoker to use check out that mac two-star general pellet grill big papa smokers the exclusive mac dealer even offers special packages not a fan of pellet smokers take a look at the old hickory ace bp it's the only charcoal smoker that big papa trusts on his competition trailer if you're looking for a durable and versatile grill that's easy to use that will last forever the m grill is just what you need they're built like tanks if you're not sure of what kind of grill you might want, give them a call and ask questions. They'll outfit you with the one that will work best for 727 That's 877-828-0727, or shop the website BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A-Smokers.com. We are back with Dr. Howard Conyers right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
2: Show, giving you a monthly visit from a Doctor of Barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampy. Hey, this portion of the show being
0: brought to you by Smithfield. Are you signed up for the Smokin' with Smithfield National Barbecue Championship? Registration is free. They are collecting points, as we learned from Everly Detweiler last week. Hit Smokin'WithSmithfield.com. That's S-M-O-K-I-N. Smokin'WithSmithfield.com for all the details. Make sure you're registered because you can't take part in the finals in New Orleans, Louisiana, if you are not registered. Smokin'WithSmithfield.com. All right, my guest in the second hour, an expert in the whole hog barbecue realm. We'll also be talking about that uh, for sure, but he is just might be the most academically accomplished guest I have ever had on the show, and I've had a lot of people on the show over the last 12 years. And you've heard the term smart like a rocket scientist. Well, this guy's actually a rocket scientist, so we head to the FOGO Charcoal Hotline and welcome first-timer to the show, Dr. Howard Conyers. Doctor, how are you? How are you doing, today, Greg? I am absolutely fabulous, and I appreciate you taking the time to join me. So, uh, do I want to call you Doctor Conyers or Howard? Or, I mean, what do you prefer? I don't want to be disrespectful.
3: You can start, Doctor Conyers, and change when. You, just go ahead, go to Howard. As long as you know people know that I'm a doctor, that's fine.
0: <laughs> How about Doctor Sir? That way we get everything covered, and I'm uh, ultra respectful. Um, all right, so we got a lot to talk about here tonight, and I think. Let's start on the live fire and barbecue side from a background. So, you know, if somebody's just joining for the first time or they stumbled over YouTube live or whatever, a quick background on a young Dr. Howard Conyers, how you were introduced to live fire. And then we'll talk a little bit about the professional side.
3: Okay. I've been cooking a whole hog barbecue, on a whole hog barbecue my entire life. I I learned from my father. I cooked my first whole hog around age 11. We didn't have a family restaurant it was just more of a tradition in the PD area of South Carolina. A lot of families cook whole hall barbecue. And so I've been cooking it ever since, and um, I'm still cooking it. But now I'm doing a little more of an education, educating people about the history behind whole hall barbecue.
0: So aside from the live fire, you also go to school, go to college. You have this whole professional career that uh, I don't want to say it seems completely um I'm not necessarily associating pitmasters with guys that go to Nassau for the day job and are working with literally rockets. So, uh, was, uh, rockets or science or engineering something that, uh, you were always passionate about and it was just a normal uh, path for you to go and educate yourself in that regard?
3: Yeah. Math and science was always my first love growing up on a farm in South Carolina. So it just, I just stuck with the math and science and, um, being a pit master, which I didn't use the word growing up, uh, we used Drew's barbecue cook. That's a whole new word. and We could talk about that, too, as well. But uh, I did barbecue well before I learned what uh, math, truly knowing what math and science and engineering really was. I just knew a direct application of it.
0: So how do you get a job with NASA? Are you interned at some point, like during college? Or did you see an ad in the WAN ads and you just applied and you were the most qualified candidate?
3: I got lucky. I applied through USAjobs.gov, and that's where like the overhouse house for all the federal government jobs and listings are posted.
0: So is that a job that was originally in South Carolina, or is that a, you work remotely, or where are you no, off the start I, of?
3: I actually work in Mississippi and live in New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay, so
0: but uh, you're obviously originally from South Carolina, so when does the migration take place out of the hometown and into the Big Easy?
3: Uh, first I went to college in North Carolina I went to North Carolina At then after that I went to Duke University and once I left Duke then I migrated toward New Orleans area and when
0: I, when I was doing a little research on you um, I had heard a previous podcast uh, that was you know semi-recently released and part of the want to get to New Orleans was in an effort to, to help however you could with the whole rebuild of Katrina if I'm not mistaken
3: that's correct. I it was cheesy, but I said I wanted to help rebuild <laughs> New Orleans. Uh, I mean, not cheesy. I
0: mean, that's pretty uh, selfish or selfless of you, actually.
3: Yeah, but a lot of people start saying once moving to New Orleans, you start hearing a lot of people say, making that same statement.
0: Oh, that they went down that's to help it. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can it can lose a little bit of uh, credibility when everybody and their mom's saying it. But uh, I, I mean, I think the heart's in the right place with you. So. Uh, All right, so let's back out again. Let's go to barbecue. This is a barbecue-related show. Let's uh, quickly talk about whole hog because I think you're seeing whole hog's been around forever. It's uh, always been very popular. You look in the Carolinas, both North and South Carolina, and that seems to be, you know, pork is barbecue down there, whether you're looking at shoulders specifically or whether you're looking at whole hog. So let's talk a little bit about whole hog and what you think it takes in order to do a proper whole hog. Pits and woods and cooking times and preparation and all that.
3: So, since this barbecue, I mean, for me, for cooking whole haul barbecue, I would say like you need a pit, whether it's cinder block, old fuel tank, a refrigerator. Um, even some people want to dig a hole, but very few individuals dig a hole. And you burn, you're using direct heat. There's not no indirect heat stuff. you burning wood now, oak wood primarily. You may mix in a little bit of pecan or hickory. But it's primary oak wood. You burn that down to embers. You put those embers underneath the butterfly hog. And you cook it for about 12 to 14 hours. Are you uh, you cooking a whole hog?
0: What kind of a or what size of a hog are you typically cooking?
3: Generally anywhere from 110 to 150. Wow. So these are big hogs. 150 pounds. Yeah. They get cheaper. People don't tell you. They get cheaper as the weight goes up. Oh, really? (laughs) Really? Okay, well, I just figured it
0: just got a lot more expensive the more weight you put on that thing. But I guess it makes sense if you're buying in quantity, it would get a little bit cheaper. Uh, From a seasoning standpoint, are you a guy that, and I I don't want to show competition bias here, or uh, I mean, I've had a lot of competitors on the show over the last decade or so, but... Do you, are you a believer in injections and complicated seasonings and stuff like this? Or nah, is it very basic? So,
3: like, very traditional um, barbecues, they don't believe in um, very injections. It's very Especially in the Carolinas, it's more just salt if you get that. And maybe they'll do seasonings at the end. But it's primarily starts off with salt and nothing else.
0: Hmm. So, you're really letting the pork and the smoke kind of shine through as they mix
3: together? Correct. And, and then the fat. at the end,
0: when at it's end, ready,
3: though, but what people don't realize, a lot of times the salt, they will two seasoning at the end. sometime. sometimes you'll see different guys put seasoning in or also the barbecue sauces and the barbecue sauces also has seasoning in it and they cook that seasoning through the meat.
0: That's a whole different – so when we talk about barbecue sauce, and I'm glad you mentioned that, you can talk about barbecue sauce in a number of different places, and a lot of the time they kind of look the same or they'll have some similar flavor profiles, maybe some liquid smoke stuff, especially when you start looking at some of the bigger sauce manufacturers. But South Carolina is very unique because you have a mustard-based sauce. It's not only mustard-based down there, but I mean, that's a real hyper-regional – Thing that's exclusive to that South Carolina area. And it's not the whole area, it's a it's kind of a specific location. But mustard-based sauces. So are you a mustard-based sauce guy? And if so, do you have like a, a secret home recipe?
3: I definitely have a secret home recipe. I'm, I'm probably more of a vinegar, vinegar-based sauce, mm-hmm. but it has mustard in it. Vinegar is the foundation of a lot of barbecue sauces in Carolina, in South Carolina. It is super regionalized. Like people don't realize how regionalized it is. So, I, some of your viewers maybe heard of Rodney Scott, and yeah, his sauce course. is very vinegar pepper based. mine is more vinegar, pepper, then you have mustard, so tomato in it as well mm-hmm. and and we we grew up in like two neighboring counties, about forty minutes from each other, and that's to let you know how regionalized it is.
0: Is this a recipe that you learn from you know your
2: in law yeah, yeah, your your parents I, I, learned from or, my father.
3: I, yeah. I learned this recipe from my father and um, what sometimes what is crazy about the barbecue sauces in my area is so hyper regionalized it's not even like county specific i could go out 2 miles and i could tell where a family <laughs> where a family migrated from in my part of the county really really hmm. if they tell me they like a purely vinegar pepper based barbecue sauce i could tell where they pretty much came from
0: when you look at a South Carolina whole hog and then you look at a North Carolina whole hog, are we talking about two different cultures altogether, or is there a lot more similarities than differences?
3: So a lot of your viewers, go, people come back and you can send them to me, send them to me, Greg, but <laughs> I did some research on this. All right. PD, South Carolina PD whole hog barbecue and Eastern North Carolina barbecue it, whole hog is just the same thing. And I went... Oh to Eastern North Carolina, I went to Aiden, I went to Farmville, and I taught the pit master there, what has changed over the years is in the later years, with whole hog, they start, in Eastern North Carolina, they start chopping up skin inside their uh, pork, mm-hmm. as well as they chop it up. In South Carolina, it was a of pork when they finished cooking it. And that was the only difference i seen. They cook it on oak wood, they're using the same type pits, cinder blocks, they reduce reducing embers, firing it directly underneath there's really no difference. Hmm.
0: Uh, but sauce is a little bit different up there, obviously too. I mean, it, it is vinegar and pepper base. So I mean, I know there's some similarities uh, between the two, but, uh,
3: typically In the Eastern half. I, I did not I don't, I don't really talk about the Western half of North Carolina or South Carolina. Sad to say, oh. because I don't know much about that.
0: Got it. Uh, we're talking, I didn't up there. <laughs> no, we're talking with Dr. Howard Conyers, the website, by the way, HowardConyers.com C O N Y E R S. If you want to check it out here and we're chatting it up here this evening. Um, all right, Doctor, so I want to talk to you tonight uh, with you know the majority of the time that we have. I had uh, talked with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com in the first hour, and we were talking a little bit about the release. It's not a public list. I just have insiders that like to feed me information. But I have a, a final nine list of what will end up being a top three that make it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame class of 2019. And if you're interested, we can kind of... Go over that list and talk a little bit about it.
3: Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go
0: through it. All right. So, one of the other things that I had mentioned at the top of the show is that while we were talking, uh, you and I were going to be talking this evening. We were going to be talking uh, specifically about what is an obvious discrepancy in the amount of uh, non-minorities that are included into the current state of uh, the barbecue hall of fame. Uh, women, uh, people of color, what have you, uh, versus who is in there currently. And there's a lot of competitors in there uh, as well, aside from just normal restaurant pitmasters or or pitmasters in general. So as we look at this nine currently, we have uh, off the bat Aaron Franklin from Franklin Barbecue, obviously well-known Texas brisket guy. Uh, Thoughts on Aaron Franklin?
3: I mean, he's well-known in the media. I mean, I went to Lockhart, Texas this weekend, this past weekend, and I I don't have to go to Aaron's Franklin Barbecue. No offense, Aaron, but the guys ain't like Lockhart. They're doing it right. They've been doing it a long time, and what you're doing in Austin is great, and you had a lot of media coverage, but those guys in Lockhart are really doing it well.
0: So do you think that he's getting that media coverage is helping him or he has learned a craft in his way and perfected it and somewhere along the line, it got picked up, and he's kind of reaping those rewards now.
3: I think he he partially benefited from Austin transitioning to a tech town and with being a tech town. I know this is not barbecue, but it, it ties into the whole story of how the media is so important. Once technology came around and he, he's growing up in almost like a Silicon Valley, a lot of techies love barbecue. And that they basically put him in front of this pedestal, and that's really where it took off. I mean, it took off with that media. And I, I don't think he purposely went out to get all this media attention. It just kind of bestowed upon came upon him.
0: Do you think that there's a certain responsibility then uh, for him to carry whatever mantle he's carrying in, in order to carry on that uh, expectation of great barbecue?
3: Yeah, he did. And uh, one thing I would say about Aaron Franklin, when he won the James beard award, he did thank those other ones who came before him in Texas to because he knew for sure that he he's basically, I guess, carrying on something that they already started. Next, on, so that was very admirable when he did that.
0: Uh, next on the list is the guy that I just had on the first hour, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. So he has one of the the well the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website. But on a, a on a scale of barbecue hall of famers, what do you think about that?
3: He definitely has the media coverage. He, I mean, I, I enjoy going to his website from time to time. Um, one to ten. I mean, he's gonna probably get in. Him and Aaron Franklin are gonna probably get into this year's nomination. I wouldn't be surprised. You think? I think so. Hmm.
0: On on it what? Really, just because of uh, just because of popularity and Google rank and media.
3: Popularity, yeah. Really? You, you know I mean, you look at some of the previous people like Guy Fieri. No, uh, we uh, don't. We
0: don't count that here on this show. We don't. <laughs> but I'm just sorry. saying. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> that
3: was weird. Um, that
2: all right.
0: Was- uh, next up through is Desiree Robinson. Uh, Meat had very familiar with her when we were uh, kind of going through this. Cozy Corner Barbecue in Memphis, Tennessee.
3: Yeah, her media following is not as great, but she—if you want to think about it—like she reminds me a lot of somebody like uh, Tootsie Snowden, Snowden Barbecue in yep. Texas. Snows so She yeah. should be. She should be in there. Um, I don't know who else on the list, but she's definitely worthy of a Hall of Fame consideration. Uh,
0: we got Wayne Monk, founder of
3: Lexington Barbecue in Lexington, North Carolina. Wayne Monk. Don't know much about Wayne Monk. They say whether or not he deserve or not deserve recognition.
0: What about John Big Daddy Bishop, founder of Dreamland, original founder of Dreamland in uh, Alabama, Tuscaloosa?
3: He should have been in there in the first class, but I hate to see a dead man, another dead African-American in the Hall of Fame.
0: So same thing for C.B. Stubblefield or Stubbs Barbecue as we know him now?
3: Yeah, same exact thing. It should be in there. Where you should have had to, it should be some living representation.
0: And uh, we have Michael Ray Higgins. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but I did a little bit more research and uh, talked to some people that are a lot smarter than me. So, he's one of the co partners of a company called JR Manufacturing, and that's the company that makes Euler barbecue pits.
3: Okay. And he probably, well, it's a tough class. I mean, somebody, now somebody like JR Euler, I heard of his pits, his smokers. Yeah. He should probably be in there.
0: Uh, you have Jim Quisenberry, who, from my most ardent diggings in the last 48 hours, uh, what I can find is he sells barbecue sauces well it's actually his kids I think that sells barbecue sauces because he's passed away but was instrumental in those first couple years of Memphis in May back when it was just a competition that was taking place under one tent versus what it's going to look like this coming weekend if you can believe it
3: wow he's probably an unsung hero that probably he may not make it the only reason he might make it just because of what Memphis and May has evolved into
0: Last but not least, Lem's Barbecue in Chicago legend James Lemons, who, by the way, as I had to educate Meathead, who is from Chicago, by the way, originally his two brothers opened up Lem's Barbecue, Bruce and Miles, in 1954. And then in 1968, the second location, which I believe is the one that James is more connected to, came about. And uh, that's the final uh, or the ninth. Potential nominee is this James Lemons from Lem's Barbecue in Chicago, known for the tips and the hot links primarily.
3: Right, and the, aqua- and the aquarium smoker that yes. a lot of people forget about. And he should he should definitely be in there. But there again, he goes back to my saying, uh, like, I, I would love to see a living African-American inside the Barbecue Hall of Fame. I think Mr. Lem is dead. God bless his soul, he but is. he should have been in on first class.
0: So, I mean, if... I mean, we have a living African American in Desiree Robinson. Um,
3: That's my preference. If I had to pick one, not because of the body, not because of what the other people haven't done, but we need somebody alive.
0: Is the I'm trying to think of the, the the good question that I want to ask here, and I get what you're saying. You want to have somebody that an African American that is alive to go into the barbecue Hall of Fame. If the Barbecue Hall of Fame, I don't know what you know about how the history of this Barbecue Hall of Fame, but for years and years it existed as some nonsense on the Internet. And then the American Royal uh, had bought it a handful of years ago and tried to make it into something a little bit more of what would be akin to a real Hall of Fame of sorts. So there isn't a lot of time that is back here. so. I don't know. I mean, it hasn't been around for decades and decades and decades, and they've just been indiscriminately leaving people out, uh, black people specifically. But if you can get I mean, if James Lemons got in or C.B. Stubblefield gets in this year, is there any win for you that even though they have passed away, it's still more diversity that's being added into the Barbecue Hall
3: of Fame? I mean, it's, it's a start. I would say it's a start, but I still say, like, the recognition, like in the case of Mr. Lim, I don't think his family could benefit financially from recognition of being in the Hall of Fame. Um, Stubblefield, they they will benefit because the stu- Well, whoever owned the sauce now may benefit somewhat uh, from the recognition. But I think it's kind of also like we all know these type of recognitions help these businesses in different ways than just people when people coming through their doors. And I think that's. It's something to that.
0: All right. So I want to dig into this a little bit more. Let me put you on hold just for two minutes and uh, we will come back and talk a little bit more barbecue and Hall of Fame stuff with Dr. Howard Conyers. Again, his website, howardconyers.com. I'll talk to you quickly about the folks over at the Barbecue Guru. Always believing that what? Outdoor cooking should be easy and fun because it can be especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. Now, you might not know what that is, but the Monolith is the world's first temperature-controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. This means smarter control and greater freedom with automatic temperature control. Easily choose your cooking time and temperature. Let the Monolith do the work of a sous-chef or a barbecue pit master. And with minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill. You can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. If you have any questions, go ahead and hit the website bbqguru.com or call them. 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. R U. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Also, if you have a barbecue Guru controller and you buy a monolith, you don't need a new controller to make it operate. Just hook the controller right up to the power draft fan that's built into it, and away you go. Once again, it's good folks over at the Barbecue Guru, and we are back with Dr. Howard Conyers right after this. Stick around. Be right back.
2: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey.
0: All right, welcome back. And we are talking with Dr. Howard Conyers. Appreciate you hanging with me through the break there. So we've kind of gone through the list. So here's what I've been able to quickly surmise. Tell me if I'm wrong or right as I say this statement. People that are going to get into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year in your opinion, have more media generation behind them versus time in barbecue, per se, or uh, any other accolades or anything? It's, it's the media hype that's going to get whoever is in these final three.
3: I do believe so. I believe that's a large part of it. Can we, I may be proven wrong with one, but I would, that that's very important.
0: I don't want to go against my man Meathead. But I think we should make a five dollar bet, which I, of course, I would never pay off because I'm terrible at paying off bets. But in theory, uh, we make a five dollar bet that Meathead does not get in. I'll bet against. If you want to bet
3: for, no, I think I think you're right. I think Aaron Franklin would get in. Stubbs probably would get in. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I agree with at least that. Would, I agree with that. It, and the third one would probably be. Um, uh, uh, I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank. Who I think the third one would be? It's tough. I'm. Think, I, I believe. I think.
0: I, I want to agree that Aaron Franklin. Well, I don't want to agree, but I, I tend to agree with you that I think Aaron Franklin might get in. I. I don't think he shouldn't get in, but I don't necessarily think he should get in at the same time. I don't think Meathead's going to get in as much as I love Meathead, and I'm saying it with peace and love. I think Desiree Robinson is absolutely going to get in. I think if we're looking at you know marking off the, the boxes of diversity, you have a black and a woman, and she's alive, and her food is absolutely fantastic. It's a Memphis staple. So I think she's checking off all the boxes. I think she probably gets in the easiest. Of course, I'm probably wrong, and I've jinxed her, and I apologize in advance, Desiree. <laughs> and uh, I agree that Stubbs uh, is probably going to get in, and then I'm, I'm, vacillating between Lem's Barbecue and Wayne Monk because I think you have, you know, North Carolina barbecue. I think North Carolina barbecue right now is popular. You're seeing a lot of Sam Jones going around, and uh, right. you know, with Sam Jones Barbecue, and then of course you have the Skylight Inn attached with that. So I think just maybe through some recognition of of North Carolina right now, because he does also have that book out, that you might see a Wayne Monk, a Desiree Robinson, and a C.B. Stubblefield. That's my pick for 2019.
3: Okay. I I mean, it's a tough one, but I think you're right. I mean, like one person she didn't make the list would have been like somebody like Helens Turner. I don't know if you heard of Helens Turner in uh, Brownsville, Tennessee. Yep. This woman had been stoking the coals for like 30 years, 30 or 40, about 30 years, I believe. And like, she probably she she didn't make she didn't make the cut this year. But she's somebody who I believe be deserving. Sort of like Miss Tootsie um, Snowden. Like she got she she shoveled coals.
0: And at 80, I mean, I think she's like 82. I believe, and this probably won't come as a shock, but most people could physically assault me easily. But I think Tootsie could probably kick my ass. She could probably kick our ass, if we're being honest. She
3: she probably could. I mean, like, she got in last year, but I'm pretty sure she could.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so let's talk a little bit about stories that you think should be told from, like... What African-American story in barbecue is dying to be told or what stories need to be told in that relation?
3: Um, what African-American story? I, th- I think just think it's hard to put an individual name on an African-American story from the stories that need to be told. Cause I think people need to see what happened with African-Americans between the early from the 1800s to like the 1960s. A lot of times those names weren't listed, could or credited, but I think the history is. There's enough history there for a complete story to be told about that narrative, of cooking in the ground well before they got to these fancy cookers, whether it's an oiler cooker, an old hickory, um, lang, these indirect smokers. It, it, there's a story there, and I believe like when you go to like Smitty's or uh, go to Lockhart, you see a lot of like. Mexican pitmasters now, but I know it was some black guys there too. Um, just, just what happened? What those guys did to create a perfect the barbecue as we know it that we kind of um, we celebrate. Like even with Memphis and May, for example, one of the earliest winners in Memphis and May for sauce categories was an African American woman. And it was during the same time that this guy only had probably had a Mm 10-up. But we really don't know much about this particular woman.
0: When you look back in in history, and we kind of chatted about this offline the other night, if you're looking to get names into whether it's this Barbecue Hall of Fame or if a writer is looking to go back and do a a history of barbecue cooking as it relates to African-Americans, slaves specifically, uh, you know, no surprise that if you were a slave back then, you weren't treated like a regular human being. You weren't documented good. So we're not probably going to find your name and where you lived and what address you were staying at. It there, There's just no documentation for you to go back and say, okay, well, these 500 or these 800 people were some of the most prolific barbecue cooks that were cooking for the people on the plantation or what have you. There, You just can't find them.
3: You, you can't you can't find it and that's what i realized like when I, the stories that i've been passed greg a lot of stuff been passed orally like i could tell you almost 80 or 90 years of pit masters of my genealogy but these individuals don't have no names the only reason i know who they are is because my father told me who these individuals were
0: And so it's it's a tough uh it's a it's a tough thing to be able to to rectify when you have no way of going back in, in in order to give proper recognition and you know the other thing that we were talking about the other night was you know as you are learning how to do whole hog from your dad and family members and stuff and then you start to go out and see barbecue and competition barbecue you know there's not a a, a lot of black guys that are out there doing competition barbecue it's a lot of white guys when I'm growing up and I didn't grow up in a predominantly black neighborhood by any stretch but I the stereotype for me was that the black guys knew how to do good barbecue. But when I got into barbecue, you know, 14 years ago and I got my first smoker and I started talking with people, I didn't see one black guy and I'm like, "Well, what the hell is going on here? All I ever thought was black guys knew how to do the best barbecue, but all I'm seeing is white guys." I mean, it's a it's a pretty weird juxtaposition.
3: It, it, it is, and I, I saw it a couple of times when I did a couple of competitions. But then, I, what I realized it came down to is economics, and a lot of Black folks don't have the economics just to be disposable income to be thrown out for a competition event. Because not only take you got to cook the food, but you got to be able to get there, you got to be able to field the team, you got to pay the registration fees. Uh, it, it's a whole lot goes into doing competition barbecue. And I know I could like for for example, Memphis and May, I wouldn't want to spend twenty or thirty thousand dollars for a weekend.
0: <laughs> I don't even want to spend six hundred dollars for a weekend going to a competition, let alone twenty and thirty thousand dollars. So, I mean, is there something that you can at least propose, or something that you would like to see over a certain period of time in order to bring awareness to any of this?
3: So what I would like to see, like, some of the major competitions, like, they bring people such as myself who, like, I could give you a clear history of American barbecue over 120-something years or maybe even 200 because very few individuals have a direct knowledge of how pits in the ground were constructed because that's how my father learned how to cook barbecue. He learned how to cook barbecue in the ground and not what I'm talking about in Hawaii, but what they did in the American South on plant. Aircroppers in this community, and that's how they cook barbecue up until, like, the 70s. Wow. And then we start seeing, like, cookers being made out of old fuel tanks. You see the transition. I even knew the transition to when, like, gas cookers start coming about in North Carol- in, in the Carolinas, how guys made those first gas hog roasters. Even though I don't like gas, but a lot of people started cooking with gas. Because it's convenient.
0: It. It's convenient, right? It's convenient. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to b- do the burn barrels and throw coals all night cool. and all that stuff. You just light the gas and away you go. And
3: anyway where you go. But so I think what I think would be helpful is some of these bigger competitions. They invite people to, who really understand the tradition, who grew up in the tradition not you can invite people who write from an academic, but like you need to invite people who also is a practitioner. They may not be your most polished individual, but they really know the subject. So for example, there's a pit master named Mr. Uh, Grady in North Carolina. Um, Grady's barbecue. Mm-hmm. This guy is a ex I mean, he's like 82 years old, but he's an expert on pit cooked barbecue. I like his knowledge of oral history, you have to respect that. He probably don't share it a lot because it's something special to him, but you have to kind of like coach these individuals to share their stories.
0: We're talking that- with Dr. Howard Conyers, HowardConyers.com, his website. You are heading to Memphis and May, as you had teased a couple different times through the interview. Um, are you going to just take in the uh, majesty of the competition? Or are you going there for specific reasons?
3: Um, I'm going because my wife's family is going to meet in uh, Memphis. But uh, as an engineer, I love seeing the, the ingenuity behind these pits and smokers these guys use and, and women use to uh, execute barbecue. It's always amazing to me to see the devices they come up with.
0: Because you are a whole hog cook by love, uh, will you naturally be more attracted to the teams that are whole hog cookers, or not necessarily?
3: Not necessarily, because um, I see a lot of guy, a lot of people cooking whole hogs in like old hickory, and to me, some of these some of these smokers I've seen, you could kind of set it, you could get it up temperature, and you set it and go and put Bluetooth monitoring. Monitor to me, yeah, while that's cooking, it's not an art form to that. So I, I'm just more get more amazement by just some of uh, just the, the overall equipment and how people go about achieving the end product Are you a fan of Sam Jones? I mean I respect what he's doing I don't have a problem with Sam Jones I don't I haven't met him personally oh. the, the story the story behind Sam Jones is I would love to know who who I was working in the pits behind snap Sam Jones and his family over the years because I I think it was some people who cooked the barbecue in the restaurant that probably had a richer story.
0: When you when you go to a Memphis in May, uh, will you also be like chronicling? I mean, is that part of your makeup? Will you always be looking for a story or something like this, or are you just looking to take it in?
3: I'm just looking to take it in. I mean, I know a couple of guys there, a couple of teams there, so I'm just looking at fellowship. and not really chronicling anything, seeing what the teams are doing, Meeting some folks that I maybe follow on social media. Other than that, I'm not really going there looking for a big story. To me, Memphis and May is not a story for the barbecue. Like I'm a very traditionalist and I don't think Memphis and May lends itself to very traditional barbecue. You
0: mentioned as it, most to. Sure. I mean, you mentioned it at the top, the term, and we gotta gotta ask you about it. Pitmaster. And I agree. This is a term that is kind of a hot-button term here over the last couple of years, and I've asked any number of people to sit there and define it for me. So let me ask you, as the term pitmaster, what does that mean to you? And I think the thing that makes it such a, I don't want to say controversial term, but something that we can argue back and forth about is the term master, which would lead you to believe that there has been some attainment of the highest levels of, of skill which I think is complete bullshit. I think pitmaster is the worst term. It should be, as you said, like pit cook or pit boss or somebody that's managing the fire, depending on what you're cooking at. But uh, how do you or how would you define the term pitmaster?
3: First of all, what I would like to say is pitmaster is a new is a relatively new term that came out because of a show called Pitmasters. <laughs> uh, growing up, I never heard the term. I didn't hear that term until probably the last ten to fifteen years. Um, how define Pitmaster is somebody who could cook just about any meat or anything. And it took myself a long time to really accept the title of being called a pit master. And I had to prove to myself that I was a pit master. And let me tell you why I had to prove to myself. I was a pit master. I have, I cooked in the ground. I have cooked on cinder blocks. I have cooked on refrigerators. I have cooked on a, a new pit. I have cooked lamb. Goats, hogs, turkeys, chickens, and a whole cow—all through, throughout this journey of barbecue—and and most of this journey in the past five years, I went back because all, for the probably twenty years of my life, all I was doing was cooking a whole hog in one location. But cooking th- those other animals that I gleaned, that I told, just spoke about—that's mm-hmm. not an easy feat. Not very, not many individuals have cooked, picked, cooked barbecue like that. And design the apparatus to cook it on. Because you can't be a pit master if you can't you can't go to the store and buy the equipment that you're cooking on. At least from the guys that I learned from, they had to bake everything they needed to make this product, this end product.
0: You just mentioned something that I meant to ask you about as we were talking about the, the past. Whole cow barbecue. Rarely do you hear whole cow. You hear whole hog all the time, obviously. But whole cow barbecue is something that was way more common uh, way back when than you ever see. I don't even know if you see whole cow anymore. Even.
3: You see you see very few whole cows. What You see people cooking a whole cow in a saddle style, but you very rarely see anybody cooking a whole cow in the American style of pit-cooked barbecue that's talked about in the literature. And that's what I went back and did this past last year is reproduce pit-cooked barbecue cow, or they call it wow. steer or ox right. in the literature. They didn't necessarily refer to it as cow. They call it either steer or ox. And I wanted to reproduce that because I haven't seen that.
0: From a style standpoint, is it akin to whole hog, or is it a whole different situation?
3: Oh, it, I cooked it just like whole hog. Mm-hmm. I mean, that all the literature that I read from like old archives, they said they will cook whole cow just like they cook whole hog. Mm-hmm. And so I want... To verify the process was tried and true, I wanted to go back and uh, reproduce it in that manner.
0: So, what kind of an end product do you end up with? Is it something a little bit more like beef barbecue esque, or is it something different?
3: Actually, it came almost like pulled pork. Really? Like the, the one I the one I cooked, it came out like pulled pork, and it was moist. People might think it wasn't moist, but it was very moist mm-hmm. because, like, I mopped it the whole time.
0: So, can we hire Doctor Howard Conyers to come up to Cleveland, Ohio, and actually do a whole cow if we could get our hands on one? Or like, what's your what's your travel schedule like?
3: Man, if people could afford it, because that's a labor of love, right there, Greg. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, that's a labor of love.
2: Yeah, no doubt.
3: I mean, I have the device to cook it, but the amount of time and effort that goes into it, it's not a easy undertaking. Uh, easier, like I'm exhausting. Easier I'm physically.
0: Easier things to do than do uh, whole cow, right?
3: <laughs> it's easier things to do than a whole cow, <laughs> but it's great though. I tell you, it's one of the, that's the best barbecue I ever had in my life. Ever, ever. Wow,
0: that's saying something right there. Whole whole cow bar. I want to say whole hog, just because it rolls off the tongue. But whole cow <laughs> barbecue. Um, we are talking with Doctor Howard Conyers. You can find him on the website howardconyers.com. And if you are lucky enough and going to be in Memphis Bay May this weekend, you might see him carousing around and uh, checking out the sights and the sounds of the competition and so forth. So, uh, Doctor, really appreciate you coming on the show this evening. Hopefully this isn't the last time we can have you on again here from time to time to talk about some cool stuff. But really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much.
3: All right. Thank you, thank you Greg. You got it. There he is. Dr. Howard
0: Ooh. Conyers on the FOGO Charcoal Hotline talking about – a number of topics. Whole cow barbecue. Whole cow. Uh-oh. Wow. That sounds. I mean, I hear whole cow and I just think it sounds totally delicious. Smoked beef. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> Raleigh Smoke doesn't say much for his whole hog. Uh-oh. Maybe it was just that much better, right? I like steak, but I also like. Spinalis steak more than a regular ribeye. All right, let me talk to you quickly about Fireboard. Make sure I'm stopped out here. Here we go. You can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. You can connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or via Bluetooth if you want. And if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, you're in luck because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. I have Alexa in my home. So, hey, hey, hey. I can say, Alexa, tell me the temperature of probe number one or two or four or five or six. Remember, you could load the Fireboard out with six or take out the six one, replace it with that little motor and you can have kind of like a automatic pit temperature control fan plus they've just partnered as we learned uh two weeks ago with yoder smokers and have made the brains for that new yoder smoker that's coming out you can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232 that's 816-945-2232 and we wrap the show up right after this stick around be right back
2: Full packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best XXX show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig
0: Rimpie. All right, thanks again to Dr. Howard Conyers, howardconyers.com, if you want to check it out. And I think that's it. So we'll race to make track. Uh, Sorry, John, I cut you out there. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Meathead is one of nine finalists that may or may may not make it as the top three, which will be your 2019 Barbecue Hall of Fame class. If you missed the field of nine... Make sure you go back and get the podcast. In the meantime, you can check out Meathead at AmazingRibs.com. Dr. Conyers thought that Meathead might have a really good shot since there's some media and internet hype around him, but we'll see what happens. And in the second hour, we talked with Dr. Howard Conyers, rocket scientist and whole hog barbecue expert. Talked about whole hog, talked about his background, talked about his day job and how he got it education talked about the lack and uh, inability to find the black pitmasters things that can be done to rectify and of course he's going to be at memphis in may this coming weekend so be on the lookout you might be able to catch a picture or say hi to dr howard connie in fact if you see him if you're there take a picture and send it to me i want to see that i'll put it up next week Big show planned for you next week. Robin Lindars is in, amongst others. We'll try and get the Memphis in May winner, of course, to recap. September eleventh, two 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Rempe. Good night now.